Hey, what's up, Cubs fans? It's a rare off-season edition of this Cubs podcast isn't linear, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ben Finfer. John Greenberg's here. Patrick Mooney's here. And James Fegan's even here to talk some White Sox. We'll give you, uh, what, 60 seconds? Yeah, it's a White Sox minute. That's industry standard, I yeah. believe. <laughs> yeah, that's more than, like, ESPN gives to anybody. Yeah, so. take that. A minute too much probably for most of this audience uh you never know i mean there's just you know Sox off season has been more hopeful than the cubs off season has been but we have a, a ton to get to so it's funny at the beginning of the off season i'm thinking we're probably still going to want to do this on a pretty weekly basis there's gonna be so much news this right. off season right. we want to update people on the machado and harper sweepstakes it really would have been pointless for us to do one weekly because nothing's happened. It's kind of like a lot of our story, a lot of our Cubs stories we've written this offseason where we're just us repeating the same stuff and hoping maybe someone different reads it this time. Yeah, the commenters have started to notice that <laughs> oh, no. it's after the Super Bowl and uh, it's like the same three or four ideas just kind of over and over again. Not Bryce, Madden's on the hot seat. They're definitely getting sick Millennials of us are the worst. Bryce. They're yeah. definitely getting sick of us mentioning Bryce Harper and how the Cubs aren't getting in. Yeah, I've noticed, yeah, noticed commenters are getting really annoyed with that. Well, it doesn't take much to get commenters annoyed at stuff, but uh, yeah, especially when this offseason's gone the way it has. So there's a lot we want to get to. Um, we'll talk about the Joe Ricketts stuff in just a second. We're going to talk about some of the offseason moves that actually have happened, not major ones, but they have made some signings. There was uh, some Pakoda projections from Baseball Prospectus. Adam's not here, so he can't, he can't break those down. For that is, James, that's James's job now. I heard they were bad. Is that, <laughs> is that pretty much accurate? Uh, the Cubs were predicted 80, 82 and 80. Third, right. third in the Central. So that's pretty bad. Sox were, what, 70 wins? 70 and 92. Which... I, know, I saw the NBC Sports uh, state TV app, state TV Twitter account was very upset about it. I mean, an eight-win increase in any kind right. of context-free <laughs> analysis is pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't think that's really that crazy for the White Sox for Pakoda. Like, they were being beaten mercilessly by the Twins down the stretch last year with, like... Right now, and all they're going to add is Eloy, right? Yeah, and, you know, the kind of one to two win players they've been stacking. Right, for, right. Yeah, what do you mean? The they've got James McCann now. They got Isn't that Ryan his name? Alonzo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a deep cut as far as their previous so I was a little impressed by it, but, yeah. like, they, they're touting the we bullpen. Do, we should do, like, that. the whites. Like, remember how they used to make Yurko guess, like, lineups, like, guys' names? Yeah. Well, they make you do that with last names of Sox players they've added. Oh, I think I, I probably... I mean, they really haven't added that much. Well, they had a bunch of guys, right? The Bulls line would be like a full season of Wellington Castillo's its own free agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we have also, James, and you can talk about this too when we get to it, the rules changes that have been talked about this week a lot. A lot, The Athletic has had a lot of it. Rosenthal wrote a whole piece Sorry. on some of it. Jason Stark wrote another piece on it. So we'll get into all that. But let's start with, with the news from this week. Uh, Patrick, you've written a ton about it. John, you've written a ton about it. And that's the Joe Ricketts controversy. The emails released by Splinter News, um, racist emails, Islamophobic emails. He used the N-word was thrown in there. Just incredibly racist. Um, it's not been a good week, to put it mildly, for the Cubs. No, and I don't think uh, anything within that email account was totally shocking for uh a mega donor like that, but I think just seeing it all laid out there uh, on your screen uh, and him kind of telling the world what he really thinks of certain segments of the Cubs fan base was uh, just jaw dropping. And I don't think it's something that um, is going to go away anytime soon. Obviously you can't sustain shock and outrage forever, but I think it's just one of you know several things that have kind of chipped away at, um, this image the Cubs have tried to present uh, to the world that just is not um, particularly honest. How about the, um, you know, it is interesting, and I don't think I, I right, I, I wasn't really surprised, but I do think sometimes when you think about, like, the email forwards, like the crazy bullshit, like Obama's a gay uh, hustler, right? That was the one he forwarded. Yeah. You always think of those as, like, the stuff that rich and powerful people are using to control the dumb people of the world. Right, like, oh, yeah. let these idiots think this. We know what what's really going on. We're just doing this because we want our we want our goals to be met, and that's like getting him out of office and low taxes and all the bullshit judge stuff. But no, he actually believes the same stuff that like the morons believe on Facebook. He's one of the morons, even though he's like a billionaire who's like 
can get like real information from politicians. You know, he can pay for real information. It's kind of like, I mean, it's not kind of like it is like Trump, like the fact that Trump gets information from Fox and Friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's for like idiots. Trump actually gets intelligent briefing, intelligence briefings, but he believes like, you know, nonsense that's spread there. I, I think is kind of interesting. And I think the MLB statement was this like, uh, we don't want to deal with this master class <laughs> in corporate uh, BS speak saying it was totally offensive. And that while he did not, uh, you know, write many of those emails, but it's really hard to put this aside or you could maybe just dismiss this as, you know, a crazy email change if the family wasn't so heavily involved in politics. Right. And and involved, I mean, these are together. It's like, working hand in hand. All this stuff we're talking about right here. This is not kind of a passive uh, citizen. I mean, this is a, a guy who's pouring huge amounts of dark money uh, into the system it, to gain influence. Uh, and uh, the Cubs brand has certainly help the family do all those things. Well, and remember, like, with the Obama thing, that, that ad that got leaked, you know, years ago, that they were going to do this ad, what I think a lot of people don't remember is that Joe wasn't at that meeting when they presented it, but Pete and Todd were. They were at that meeting. So, yeah. like, Joe wasn't even there, but they were there to hear this. It's always been an awkward situation for them because, you know, Todd Ricketts, now he's involved with fundraising for the Trump campaign, but he's always been very heavily involved in Republican politics, Pete Ricketts is a governor, a very conservative governor. He and his dad uh, joined forces to put money to get the death penalty back in Nebraska. Yeah, um, both Joe and what the mom's name is Marlene. Yeah, uh, they've given a ton of money ton. to super PACs. They have run all sorts of anti-democratic ads, right. anti-liberal, anti a lot of racist stuff too. So, and, and then like you have Tom, who's tried to sort of stay away from that. But it's pretty hard to do when a lot of those people are on the board for the Cubs, and it was Joe's money that helped them buy the well, team in the first place. I mean, let's two things here. One, obviously, a lot of owners of professional sports teams are very Republican or very right wing. There's very nothing true. wrong with that. There's nothing you know illegal about it. I mean, I'm saying wrong. In, in no, I know what you sense. mean. Like you're and allowed then, to do that. Right. It might be morally wrong, but it's well, right. But legally, it's, it's, it's politics. Fine. So you know that they're all into that, and they're all putting money. Like all the NFL owners gave money to Trump's inauguration, like millions of dollars. Heck, some of the NFL owners are like ambassadors to countries right. isn't woody johnson the ambassador to england or something like that think, well dan rooney was the ambassador to ireland from for obama i think you're, I think you're right yeah. Yeah, yeah dan rooney was the ambassador to ireland yeah uh, so there's a... but he um and that's funny they were actually republicans the roonies that kind of jump jumped over for obama but one thing i will say for tom yeah tom doesn't talk about politics a lot but there's a picture of tom at the inauguration in a tuxedo standing next to trump with trump giving a thumbs up so yeah. let's not you know, I mean, he's going to tap dance around it. You think he's going to talk, Mooney, in spring training? I think he will. And I think um, when you kind of look at this offseason as a whole, I thought it was a mistake to duck the Cubs convention panel, even though people's, you know, multiple people in the organization said this had been in the works for a while. They want to change things up. The optics of doing it right at this moment was bad. And I do think that Tom actually is um, a pretty. Th- thoughtful guy who has according to people who work for him has a lot of integrity uh, it's a pretty good people that work for him really it's a like pretty him. good place to work i mean cubs yeah. employees over the years have unprompted said uh you know this is a far superior benefits package than there was uh with the tribune and that you know people in baseball operations the fact that it's it's a face and a guy that they right. know and he really um what i don't ha- what happened to their ability to like Convince him to do things. I always felt like Theo might have had a little bit of uh, could put his arm around him and convince him to spend a little more money. Guess not, huh? Well, uh, you know, there's a cap on that. There's obviously the financials are pretty opaque, but I do think that this ridiculous idea that Joe Ricketts is somehow has nothing to do with the Cubs. I mean, this guy set up the entire financial system that governs how the Cubs operate. Right. It wasn't set up by like some random deity you know it's not like these yeah and i mean by nature. and large this has been very good for the cubs i mean yeah. i mean in terms of cubs fans the last four years uh the people who work there wrigley fields renovation obviously they're doing a lot right but it's these missteps kind of over and over again um at a time when you know i don't think the cubs are going to win 95 games every single year for eternity and they're pouring all this money into wrigley and a new tv network and kind of if you want to retain these fans at a time when baseball is getting boring and kind of like, you know, whiter and more regional, 
um, you just can't have stuff like that out there. If you want to, you know, be this kind of great brand, that's what they've always talked about. You know, they want to be like whatever the Patriots, the Warriors, you know, Manchester United, they, they talk in those terms and they haven't really acted like that. That's kind of what I wrote this off season. Just reading those quotes from Joe Lacob, which kind of seems silly now because Kevin Durant, like, <laughs> you know, it's Kevin yeah. Durant's uh, performance yesterday, but Joe Lacob talking to our Tim Kawakami about no one's going to outspend us. You know, no one's going to outwork us. We're going to be so aggressive. And, you know, they're, they're obviously moving into a new arena. It's going to be a total cash cow. Has anyone ever been to Oracle? I've been in the parking mm. lot outside. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's great. It's, it's crazy how close it is to the Coliseum. Like, they yeah. share a walkway. Like, you can, like... you. I definitely was accidentally walking into Oracle. Right. I was supposed to be walking I just, to Coliseum and got, like, routed back. Right. It's, it, it's amazing, like, how... Because I've seen other places that share parking lots and stuff, like in Kansas City. But this is, like, they're literally next to each other. So, But yeah. I just went for a game in uh, December, and that is a dump. Man, Oracle... I mean, it's cool it, when you're inside those seating bowl. It's nice, but that is... You would be amazed at how outdated and, like, dark this place is. They're moving next year, right? Yeah, to, like, a three, a $1 billion... In San Francisco, yeah. Right, everything's going to... You're gonna be like, sitting in, like, a virtual reality pod, and there's yeah, going to be people... Right. You're on Barista, but they have managed to pack more, like, memorabilia in that place. Like, I had to go, like, down the stairs to this team store like it was, like, a black market sook. Yeah, <laughs> like, in the uh, bowels of the right, stadium. right. Uh, so what did this is going to be the question? Like, how do the Cubs deal with this? Do they just try to let it blow over? Which, if the Cubs win, maybe they'll get their way with that, or are they going to have to do a lot of outreach here? I would think so. They've already started some of that process, but this doesn't seem like one that's just going to go yeah, away. I think they'll do some outreach, and it'll it'll go away when they start playing. When we have actual baseball to start talking about. It will because that's yeah, just they're a, still going to sell tickets. They're still going to have ratings on TV. Like there'll, it, there'll be some outreach and they'll do some stuff and they'll hand they'll they'll do a Muslim American night. Maybe well, actually they probably they might not. Who knows? They might just be like, nope, sorry, our schedule's full. Well, you know what they'll probably do is screw it up. Is uh, they'll they'll schedule it during the day on Ramadan. Oh my God, that's yeah. what Adam Abdullah is like. Just make sure they don't do it during the day on Ramadan. And you know they will, and then they'll blame it. You know, and then they'll blame it like on Tom Tunney for not giving them more night games. Uh huh. If, Tun- if Mooney, Tunney's still in office. Mooney sent the t- a Tom Tunney ma- – he s- messaged us the picture of a Tom Tunney mailer, anti-Tom Tunney mailer. Yeah, I got it. It's crazy. Yesterday on my doorstep or mailbox, I'm not sure. I didn't bring the mail in. It was just on my kitchen uh, counter. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, and not shining away. I was trying them. to track down that organization and it was not exactly <laughs> clear shadowy. which one. <laughs> but I, I think this is part of it, too, that we get a lot of this of stick to sports. I don't want to read this. And – we will stick to sports when the Cubs stick to sports. When they don't use Cubs convention to do this stump speech against Tom Tunney, which and by I think the way is tone deafness. It's so Clark tone deaf because first of all, most of the people in that room could not vote for forty fourth ward you know, alderman. Do you know how many people vote for the forty fourth ward alderman? Nine, I mean, nine thousand. Well, there's like was the total votes last? You know, election. it probably has like maybe fifty thousand residents, and that might even be a that stretch. That's a kid, and all that's the kids. a kid, right? That's the the population voting wise. You're right. It's it's not. I mean, there's a mayoral race this year that matters, so there might be more voters than normal. But you're talking to a room of Cubs convention guys like, we don't care about the 44th Ward. We want an alderman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was weird. You're right. They they, and the family is so in tune with it. It makes for a lot of awkward situation that requires the Cubs to win a lot of games to just make it go away. I mean, that's what it is. If they they have a good season, some people are still going to be pissed, but... The Cubs will be fine. Yeah, that's and that's what they're shooting for. I mean, Jed. And by the way, me, I'm not saying that as like, oh, that's good for them, no, but that's just the reality no, of what will happen. I mean, as Jed said to me at Cubs convention when we were talking. He goes, "No team in the history of baseball needs to get spring training more than the Cubs." And when I did that Q and A with Theo after we turned it off, he just goes, "Just I don't, I don't need any head." He's like, "I don't need any headlines." He's like, "Make sure there's no headlines in here." He's like, "I don't need any headlines before I get to Mesa." That like, was a great Q and A, by the way. It was fun. I, I told him I wanted to do different stuff, not just beating him on the on the budget you know because i know the fucking answer that he doesn't have the money it felt like though is like that was if you haven't seen it you should go check it out it's from probably about a month ago or so at this point but it felt like more of the normal theo not the politician theo that's what i wanted i didn't need theo telling me whatever what he said just said 50 times yeah you know at cubs convention we touched on the addison stuff because i felt like i'd be irresponsible if i didn't but i know what he was going to say then too i mean there's nothing once the fan base can watch Sweet Swing and Addison Russell, <laughs> will just go away. Sweet. Yeah. I wonder how much the fan base, like, everyone, I mean, he is, he is like, 
I would love to see his favorability rating, like a politician, because it would be so low. But if he was good, where would it be? Um. Well, like honestly, not saying not. We're not. Trying yeah. To no. I, I mean, I. I think if that, he was, if he was two thousand six World Series Addison Russell or whatever it was. Uh, I feel like it would be like. I feel like when a guy is good, there's like 50%. And this is completely arbitrary. I feel like half the fans wouldn't care at all about his off-the-field yeah. stuff. And maybe maybe I'm being low. Maybe I'm low. It might even be a higher percentage. I don't know. Well, it's amazing, not just him, but it feels like almost the entire organization has withdrawn all of the goodwill they built up from the 2016 World Series yeah. in a little over two years. Right, except for like Lester. People still love John Lester. Well, people still love a lot of the guy. Like, yeah, Rizzo, 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 Baez. Yeah. Baez is like at the top. Yeah. He's higher than. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. If they, it's like they're at the stage now where people are so dissatisfied and arguing. Like if they traded Chris Bryant, there'd be people like arguing it would it'd be like a good deal. You know what I mean? You'd have these these nerds. We've like, got David Bodie. We don't need yeah, Chris right? Bryant. As <laughs> Remember that? That was like for like a month. That was a thing. Did David Bodie fever affect you? Did it make it way over to the White Sox, James? <laughs> How would that manifest? Maybe you guys were all looking for David Bodie at bats when you were at a Sox game. Oh, like to replace? Right. You, like you guys were all like scurrying to the back of the press box to watch oh, David Bodie's up. David Bodie's up. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any Chicago White Sox media member wants anybody to replace Yomer Sanchez in any fashion. So yeah, we couldn't really get into Bodie fever. Oh, you know, he's like your. Uh... Well, the Cubs don't really have a guy like that who is bad, but so interesting that you just keep, you know, everyone wants him around. That's how I'd be like how it was like, like Ryan Terrio was here, right? Right. Like Yomer's a better, he's a better Ryan Terrio, but yeah, Ryan Better Terrio. player, right. But like, right. Ryan yeah. Terrio wasn't that fun either. That's true. Kind of took himself really seriously, actually. Uh, I, mean, I had to suffer the loss of Kevin Smith and Danny Farquhar this season. Like Yomer is like what I clutch you- to at this point. Are you ha- like the, I just read something that Farquhar is like throwing, you know, his, his velocity's up. He seems pretty confident. Going I had him talking about his philosophy being up in August on our site, John. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, are you happy that he's doing well? Like, oh, right of now? course, yeah. That's what I meant. I mean, I mean, that was kind of the tone of November. Was that it didn't seem like he was wedded to coming back to the White Sox, and he had offers, so it seemed like he was going to be fine, and that was kind of what everyone was hoping for. Um, all right, let's. There's going to be plenty more said and written about Joe Ricketts. That's obviously not going away. You guys will have more. I'm sure as spring training gets started, who knows yeah. who's going to talk. So we don't need to do the entire podcast on that. I want to talk about the offseason itself. I'm talking about the transactions. and we and, and Let's list it, all the Cubs transactions first. Well, it's a lot of no-name relief pitchers <laughs> and then Daniel Descalso. Uh, I mean, like the big signings for them, Descalso and Brad Brock, right? And, and then, Brock's not even official yet, right? Oh, they. You know what? It's not. No, I'll tell you how I know. Curious about that. The Candyman. It's mm-hmm. not official because if you check his Wikipedia page, he's still a free agent, according to them. Oh, and Wikipedia always knows. The Cubs also got that director of high performance from the Browns too. The best oh, the title guy? ever. Yeah. What is he gonna do? He's in charge of everything, like all the conditioning, all the trainers. He's like they wanted to have someone like they wanted to add another layer of bureaucracy right. to the Cubs. So he is now like. The guy in charge. A lot of teams have that. Have someone in charge of like all training stuff. So like the Browns is where they went for this. <laughs> it's just a... I guess he's like well they they said I think they like that he's Australian. The Browns increased their winning percentage by like an <laughs> yeah. infinite amount. Right. That is true. What they won Joe, like you know six more games. You're you know right. what's funny is Jed told me when they were doing the interviews for this, <laughs> he interviewed Joe Thomas. The Browns. Oh, really? Joe Thomas is on this guy's resume as a reference. And he said he had like a great conversation with Joe Thomas about how great this guy is. <laughs> right. So that was just like they're like, well, Joe Thomas said it. So <laughs> it's been a lot of uh, bullpen guys. I mean, nobody that's going to get you excited. Tony Barnett, Luke Haggerty, which is actually a good story. Ian Clarkin, who was off the White Sox with waivers off of White Sox. George Contos. I mean, this is not a really exciting list. Contos is a Skokie guy, though, right? At Northwestern, right? And he was, and, and he's from like Niles. He's one of the Nileses. Yeah, think. yeah, I think that's right. But I Niles mean, West, maybe. So forget the. I, I will have a question for you about Bryce Harper, but anything else that you think they could do before spring training? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they're going to add another reliever. We're trying to figure out who. Um, but we believe, uh, I'd imagine it's probably a lefty, but I think it's going to be another guy that you may or may not have heard of, uh, on a major league deal, kind of adding to that depth. I think that guy, <laughs> Barnett, is that his name? Is that You're right. Tony, is it Tony Barnett? They do like, he's closed in Japan for a long time. They he like made a good Bryce that. Harper joke on Twitter. Good personality. Was, that was funny. You know, 
That's it. Gotta, I mean, you throw. <laughs> that's literally it's, right. It's, like running, it's a grab. It's a grab bag, and if one one or two of those guys contribute, and everyone else stays healthy, they should be okay. But that's not really how the Cubs like to operate. Kind of crossing their fingers. I mean, I do like. How do I want to put this? I would have preferred that they actually spend some money on the bullpen. You know, whether it had been for Zach Britton or Craig Kimbrell, and I know those contracts are going to be ridiculous, but. Because we they're not doing that, I do like their strategy. They can't get those guys, or they're, they're choosing not to go after those guys. So they're just loading up on a lot of options, and obviously most of them are not going to work. But you hope that one or two of them hit, combined with hoping that some you know some of your guys in your bullpen from last year make rebounds, stay healthy, and that would be all it would take. I mean that that's the strategy, right? You're like, okay, this guy doesn't work. Let's just try the next guy. And they've been pretty good at that. I mean, to be fair, like. What was it 2015? I mean, Trevor Cahill's made a lot of money since they. I mean, he got what released like twice, and then was pitching for the Cubs in like the NLCS. And uh, I mean, Clayton Richard when they there weren't two other guys that year. Um. Yeah, they did. But I it was like a totally different bullpen in the second half of the season. Look at last year. Last year, Randy Rosario, Jesse yeah, Chavez. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. they have had success doing yeah. that. But um, man, if it wasn't for those midseason additions last year, wow, that would have been a disaster. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cole Hamels, obviously. What about backup catcher? There are they going to do anything there? You think? Going into this offseason, I thought. Yeah, for sure. That seemed like kind of an obvious way to get some of that whatever clubhouse grit or edge they kept talking about. Yeah, right. But obviously, as we've gotten deeper into the offseason, uh, I still think someone like Maldonado would be beyond their kind of price range and not what God. and not what is that and not what he'd be looking for. I mean, this guy's a really good defensive catcher for, you know, uh was on the Astros last year on a you know on a big time contending team. And I think the idea of backing up Wilson Contreras is not all that appealing you're to him. Thirty games, maybe, right? Exactly. 40 exactly. Games. I think he'd be looking for a bigger platform than Chicago. But don't you think it would be beneficial for Contreras to play even less than that? Yeah, like, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. he obviously ran out of gas last year. There probably was more to it than just running out of gas. But if he could play. I don't know, I'm just throwing these numbers out, 100 games, and you could find someone to play 62 or something close to that, that would probably be ideal. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you on that one because he's – Wilson can't uh, keep functioning at this level uh, where they, they just pushed him uh, to, I think, a limit that doesn't make sense, particularly as he's getting getting older. And we saw his offensive performance uh, nosedive last year. Um, I just think – as they kind of got into this offseason, um, clearly they prioritized kind of the bullpen and Descalso over that. Um, I want to ask you one Harper question, and I'm I'm not getting too crazy. I'm just curious. Let's say he decides, I want to do a short-term deal because there's going to be a new CBA in 2021. Maybe he feels like I can get a better contract long-term at that point. Still, he'll be 29 years old then. Would that make any difference at all in their thinking? Like, if it if it was like going to be a three year deal, obviously it would have to be a big per per you know your salary. But would that change anything? No. Okay. I mean, my my understanding is that what if you wanted it, to play for free? Would they take <laughs> yeah. the minimum? Would they, would do they give it? him college credit if he was willing to come play <laughs> for the Cubs? Just like a whole stack of IOUs. Yeah, here's some uh, Lou Malnati's gift cards. <laughs> Dave Kaplan. <laughs> Our number one supporter. <laughs> I I think that they Theo spends every single dollar given to him, and that as the Edwin Jackson, they don't have right. like say I don't know twenty four million dollars just like sitting around waiting if to be didn't... used, and they can't backload these deals off of kind of where they're at financially right now. Like that is that is this kind of Ricketts system that I think. I realize I'm not explaining it fully because I don't know all of the details, but I think if you've seen kind of over the years how they've operated, there isn't – in 2015, they did change some things around after they made that huge push into the NLCS in between the GM meetings and the winter meetings where they got Hayward and Zobrist. Right. Uh, and Lackey was just before that. Um, that was because of money they got – 
from the postseason. Because of that, and the payroll was obviously at a different place then. I think they had restructured some things uh, in terms of their finances to give them a little more flexibility. But kind of what you're talking about, if they couldn't fit Jesse Chavez into the budget, like where's that, say, $25 million just for the 2019 <laughs> right. fiscal year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, you obviously can't backload a short-term deal either. Like that would actually maybe some right, would make right. it harder. Right. But that even within this system that heavily backloading something like that is not um, it's not feasible. It's matter. not really an option for them, at least what I'm told. Maybe we should take a break in the middle for White Sox. Well, uh, that, I mean, it White is Sox a, minute. It is a good time James for just sitting here listening Because it would be an amazing middle finger to the Cubs if the White Sox got Harper. I mean, there's no chance of that happening. But, are they even still in the Harper? We is haven't he, heard his I name. Mean, do they actually have his number? <laughs> they have Boris's number, though. He probably doesn't accept calls from Kenny anymore. So they have to, you know, start a conversation based on Rodon and then kind of bleed it into Harper, right? Like that. So where are? So give us your update from what you know. Like the, the Harper thing seems like he's not. The Sox maybe have moved on from that, but Machado obviously is still very real, at least in their interest. Yeah, I mean that, that's definitely been the direction of the last month has been much more on Machado and I think they've become as transparent as they're willing to get about kind of everything kind of being full bore on that um, I guess how much weight or value do you put being in the lead for something that's kind of a binary yes or no and if it's no there's no real value to it so I, I you've mentioned kind of there's being more hope in the White Sox offseason but I feel like it's all predicated on the the thing that hasn't actually happened yet, whereas the kind of additions they've made of taking a bunch of positions where previously it was, is this guy a major league player or not? And shifting it to, is this guy above average or not? Is, is kind of the, the extent of the actual improvements they've made to their roster. Whereas everything is really based on this idea. Now is their moment they're coming out, but it hasn't actually, you know, been demonstrated. hasn't actually added this elite, you know, benchmark player to the roster yet. And if, they don't land him you kind of exit this offseason wondering do they really have the wherewithal do they have the willingness to spend that's ever going to allow them to compete for top tier free agents like they say they're able to that has been your white Sox minute brought to you by don't get all right <laughs> um, so if, if they 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 have put a lot into this if they don't get this i mean it's a pretty disappointing offseason and I don't know if this was their plan from the start of the rebuild, if they thought they'd be disinvolved or not. Maybe just they're taking advantage of the fact that there's only three or four teams that are interested right now. But like, how how much longer is the timeline if they don't pull off a move like Machado or even Harper? You know, I, I don't think it necessarily changes the timeline. It just lowers the margin of error for everything. Like, for their so prospects so, to hit. Right, like... If you really looked at their their you know pitching depth right now, I, I don't really think anybody has like top of potential top of rotation potential besides Kopech and Cease. So like if those guys don't pan out, you're really dealing with like a pitching staff that's a lot of strike throwers and mid rotation guys and needs like a major offense to kind of drag them to uh, contention. And you you get a lot more stressed out about Mancada like hitting his potential or Jimenez being an MVP bat and not just like a steady 850 OPS guy. And all these other things become these much bigger question marks or higher things to stress about without the proven, you know, top of the roster franchise player guy. Like, you know, in all probability, no one else, no one in the White Sox farm system, as valuable as it is, as much talent as it has, is ever going to be as good a player as Manny Machado is right now. That's just a fact. And, you know, they, they are not necessarily going to ever have that guy if they don't spend to get him. Right. Not well, even not even uh Mike Rodolfo. Not even, you know, sweetheart Mike Rodolfo. Um I I have to throw this out there because this is a, a, a Cubs podcast and it at least makes us feel better when we see the Sox are in on these guys and, and the Cubs aren't. And also the Eloy Jimenez thing. Do you ever look at that uh, James Shields for Fernando Tatis deal and be like, what the fuck? No one ever talks about that on that, Twitter. This, that is like <laughs> no one's ever brought that up. That is like uh I mean, an all time I mean, the Sox have done a lot of things right over the last few years. Well, they traded him when he was a teenager. He hadn't played a game yet. Right, and it was and like... Even though Sox people now say, oh, we knew he was going to be like a big star, right? Don't the Sox prospect people say that? I mean, it's still like... I was in the Dominican last month. It's still like the highlight of Marco Patti's career as far as like he's concerned because he landed this guy and 
He's like, no one ever heard of him except his dad was a major league baseball player. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, who had ever heard the name Fernando Tatis? Didn't he spend like twelve years in the majors? <laughs> I mean, Tatis was like a top thirty IFA guy in his class that year, and he was like a big deal. They were actually a little bit more excited about Jose Josue Guerrero that year, who was like Vladimir Guerrero's nephew. Oh, but hasn't like really. <laughs> Oh, they, they got his nephew instead of his son. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. His son is is also a notable. Could, player. Do, do they have his uh, his childhood best friend? I mean, they go the Machado route, where you get everybody related to Guerrero, but not actually Guerrero. Yeah, something like someone's. I don't I, know if they're anybody's brother-in-law they can get right. at age sixteen. But I think I think I'm gonna do a bit every time I go to the Sox thing when they don't sign Machado. Every time I go to the clubhouse, is like go up and ask those guys how Machado's doing. Like, go up to Alonzo, <laughs> oh, go up yeah. to Jay, and just be like, Hey, how's Machado? Just do like a weekly update. Machado update, right? Every week. Machado watch. Is the answers just getting thoroughly more curt? Or right. Just just, describing just, how they walked away from you. Right. Or... John Jay like swings a bat at my head. Um, let's make predictions, even though we really have no idea. Well, where do you think Machado's going to end up signing? I, I mean, it, I would take the field over. I'd take the White Sox more than any particular team. Like, it, I, I can't really, even with them in the lead or having the biggest offer or being on him consistently throughout the offseason. I can't really ever get them more than 50-50 in my mind for this happening. And, you know, maybe things swing if, you know, the Phillies take Harper and all of a sudden that takes your most, you know, willing to spend competitor out of it. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more likely for Machado to go to San Diego than the White Sox right now, but I just think, you know, he's clearly feeling offers. He's clearly not satisfied with what's happening. Right. right. Don't now. you feel like knowing Scott Boris, and I don't necessarily mean personally, just how he operates, there's no way he'll let Harper sign before Machado. Like, doesn't he yeah. want the Phillies or whoever to be desperate for Harper? I mean, theoretically, but if the Phillies said, like, all right, here's $400 million, I think he'd be like, well, I've set the record for the biggest contract right. of all I'll time. I'll take that, I'll right, take yeah. That. I, yeah, I compared this the other day to um, the old story, like when, when Ricky Henderson and Jose Canseco were on the A's, and they used to have a thing where they, they each wanted to be the last person to report to spring training. <laughs> and if one guy saw the other guy's car in the parking lot, they would drive away. <laughs> really? I've never yeah. heard that. Yeah, it was just like it was in one of the Ricky Henderson stories. Just like there was a weird thing they did once. There are so many good Ricky Henderson right. stories. So I kind of feel like it's with Dan Lozano and Boris. It's it's kind of something like that, right? That's it. It's got to be a little personal. I know, that, like you said, if they get the biggest contract ever, they win. Right. But I do feel like you're right. There is a little personal. I still have Machado, even though um, they're not like the, one of the public teams in on him right now. Is the Yankees? Yeah, because I mean, he wants to. Sign I there. know that, like, it. You keep thinking, but they have made a lot of moves. I mean, come on, get Machado. You kick some of these other guys out. Did they just trade one of their guys to one of their infielders? I thought they traded one of their surplus guys. They did add so much. I'm not saying it's possible. It's the Yankees. They certainly right. can afford it. And you make room for Machado. You can put him in a hundred different places. Right. You can put him at short. You can put him at third. You could DH him once in a while if you have to. Though all, all their Miguel Andujar rookie of the year posters like go right in the trash. Right, yeah. <laughs> right next to the Troy Tulowitzki comeback of the year right. award posters. Right, throw all the Tulowitzki bobbleheads. Yeah, they can afford it. What well, about? Uh, I mean, for Harper, do we think Phillies most likely? Probably, right? Probably. No I mean, he wants to play for them, but he will. Like more likely than anywhere else. I'd yeah. Probably be. Yeah. The thing I heard is that n- neither of these guys want to play for. They want to go to Philly. No, you don't go. You don't yeah. wait six, seven years to go to free agency to go play for the Phillies, unless you're from Philadelphia. And even then, you might be like, yeah, I can go back there in the off season. <laughs> That's not. It's just. It doesn't seem to me to be. When have they ever? They got Jim Tomey as a big off season acquisition signing. And I went and looked at this recently. It's because they offered him way more money than anybody else. That's the only way that they're going to get somebody there. That's not a destination for free agents. That would be a good, like, retrospective piece for us to do is the Cleveland, like, naming a street out for Tomei and then him leaving in free agency. Yeah, and the Cubs were in on – there was a lot of excitement here for the Cubs to get Oh, because he was such a big Cubs fan. He's uh, – who's the guy – a big Dave Kingman guy? Yeah, he loved Dave Kingman, and I like the Cubs were supposedly in on him, but then the Phillies blew everybody's water offer out of the water. And then I love that Cleveland still built a statue for him. Well, he is a great Cleveland Indian. I mean, yeah, but they have they had so many good guys in that team. I just think it's kind of it's kind of amusing how much people love Jim Tobin. You're not building a statue for Albert Bell, though. That would be funny, though. It would be funny. My friends had a, had a run-in with him at the JCC in Cleveland when they were in high school. The JCC? Yeah, he used to work. LeBron worked out at the JCC in For Cleveland. For real? Yeah. So I guess it must be a good gym. And they went up to him in there in high school. <laughs> and, you, and you know who's not using it is right. everybody who goes to the JCC. So my buddy and his friends, they're like the biggest Indians fans in the world. This is like right when the Renaissance has happened. They're like 16 years old. 
and they go up to Albert Bell to tell him how much they love him. And he just go, looks at that. They stood like, hey, Mr. Bell. And they, he goes, don't start nothing you can't finish. And they walked away. That's good advice. <laughs> they're like, all right. Yeah, that's, that is uh, – there's a lot of weird stories about that guy too. Uh, anything else we need to know about the White Sox offseason? I mean, you said you wanted to talk about James McCann, so we can do that. Well, let's talk about your trip to the Dominican. Right? Oh, yeah, oh, right. you did. Right. So, <laughs> so you we did send you to the Dominican. They had like it a week. It was really inexpensive, I'm what, sure. What was it? This was like a week for Sox prospects to like acclimate them or get to know it was, international players or something. It was like – it was like ropes course or something. Let's take all the Trust falls. like <laughs> yeah. white American college like star players and let them see like what life is on in a on a like a developing nation island like type of background and like to be honest like I didn't see like they did workouts and I'm sure they chatted like like in, in, when they had like time in between and you know a lot of them have played with some of the higher level the international guys like Amado Nunez and Lennon Sosa but it, it was kind of like you know, send them to an orphanage, have them run a kid's clinic and have them kind of just see the Dominican Republic and hope that kind of rubs off on them as far as like what the background is of kind of the players that they've dealt with, uh, you know, as teammates and just kind of give them a little sight of how the other half lives, I guess, is the idea. Right. And is it like, was it a successful week? I mean, everyone, I know you got a lot of stories out of it. You I mean, everyone brought said my camera it, back. Like, yeah, the camera didn't break. Um, like, how can you necessarily immediately weigh the impact of four days uh, on, on something that's supposed to change their entire cultural perspective? <laughs> right. It's okay. kind of like Fair enough. <laughs> a long-term thing. And, and even talking to, to Patty, it was, uh, Marco Patty, the White Sox International uh, Scouting Director, was saying that this is really something that they want to have impact. They kind of have to do every year. Oh, is it Marco Patty? It's not Mark O'Patty? Right. <laughs> oh, okay. I was always confused about that. Uh, on St. Patrick's Day, he calls himself Marco. He, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. He, he's Panamanian. He's not Irish. Oh, all right. <laughs> I had some confusion. That'd be great that. if the White Sox had an Irish <laughs> international scouting guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes sense for them, right? <laughs> on the south side of just, Chicago. Just some guy right. from Beverly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bartender at Shay. He's a bartender at a Shallers Pump. Yeah. Um, let's talk about. Well, actually, I have a few questions, and I want to get to the the potential changes to rules too, which we could all talk about, but few questions uh, on the Cubs still, specifically Cubs Network. Anything new on that? Like Crane Kenny at the convention last month, three weeks ago at this point, said there should be news within the month, and we're getting pretty close to that deadline. He's yet. been saying that for years, I feel like. True. Uh, that latest particular uh, update was tied to this, the 22 RSNs that... Regional sports networks. Disney has to sell. It's part through of the, the through the merger with Fox, correct. That once that goes through, will bring some clarity. I believe the assumption I made. They're super cryptic about it, but that's kind of what he was referring to. Was that sale kind of going through? And then I would imagine this is just me, my interpretation of that. That would potentially give them leverage in terms of distribution as well as maybe content opportunities because they'll have all these other teams. They have a ton of regional networks in the Midwest. But I think also yesterday someone said Sinclair might have dropped out of that bidding, but all of these bidders are kind of reorganizing. I know Major League Baseball is one of the bidders. Um, so it's kind of like same as it ever was. The Cubs network is up in the air. It's not done yet. That's all we know for sure. Not done yet. Definitely not going back to NBC Comcast. And then, uh, yeah, they're on the clock. I mean, Crane says they're want they're planning to start broadcasting um, in 2020 and broadcast every home spring training game at least. They have so much. So that would be late, late February. Um. Do you feel like the Joe Ricketts email controversy will scare off Sinclair at all from <laughs> They're mad he didn't say worse things. Yeah, right. They're mad he apologized. Tone it up, Joe. Yeah. Um, Why'd you apologize? We don't want to be with these people. Yeah, only weak people apologize. I, I feel like this, whatever the deal is, finally for this network, it's going to be a very complicated setup. Doesn't it feel like there's going to be a lot of moving parts to it? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, they're launching it at maybe, like, the worst time in cable TV history just because where cable is going. Right. Haven't you, and people you, cutting cords. And how, Hasn't the rumor been that, that Reinsdorf actually got a pretty good price 
to stay. He always Comcast. gets a good price. Yeah, that's what I had heard. They did. They did a good, um, good job with that, and that will obviously be a strong channel. I mean, the Blackhawks have you know a pretty loyal, dedicated audience. The Bulls, at some point. No, they're. I mean, the Blackhawks' ratings were the best by far when they were winning. I oh, mean, they yeah. were dwarfing Cubs' ratings when they were winning, though. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's gone down. The, the problem. The only problem with theirs is that all three teams suck right now. Yeah, they're gonna have a ratings yeah. problem for sure. Which by, by then, by in a year that you never know, things can change quickly in a year. Well, Sox, Jeremy Culleton. I know you're a big Jeremy Culleton I, guy. I love. He's, he's the youngest coach in the. He's the Sean McVay of the NHL. Right, exactly. <laughs> Very exciting. But White Sox could be good by then. Maybe that's a ton of programming too. They don't have this hole that the Cubs no, want to right. fill. They, plus, they got all the. I, now I have a question: With the Cubs gone, does does NBC Chicago keep the Iowa high school sports coverage that they've that they love to plug in, or does that go to the Cubs? Oh, Cubs own Iowa. Don't the Bulls dictate that that continues? All right, they, right, so they don't have to go on scouting trips. I got bumped. <laughs> I got bumped from a sports talk live because an Iowa high school football game went into like triple overtime. <laughs> I was like sitting there waiting for this game to end. So that's a very valuable pro- uh, piece of uh, business for them. They pay them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if you know, just off the top of my head here, if two sports networks if they cost twelve dollars a month on your cable bill, like are people going to be? Uh, into that? I mean, I, I get that gets law. I think people will be annoyed, but nah, I think an extra six bucks, people just won't pay attention. Assuming they even put it on your cable system. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, going to be a whole yeah. war. Trust I can't, me. Well, trust yeah. me. There's part of it. I don't want anyone not to see Cubs games. I feel terrible if that happens, but I will hammer the shit out of them. If this becomes like a Dodgers thing, it'll be like just, it's like a pinata for, you know, sports writers. I mean, okay. it would be st- stunning, right? That if this, launches on time and is on every Chicago cable system. Wouldn't you be stunned if that happens yeah, it never, by opening day 2020? It's very unlikely that it will. And even if it is, there's going to be a real battle. There always is. I remember when the Big Ten Network started, yeah. Yeah. they were fighting with cable outlets or cable companies. They were running ads on radio. It's good for radio. They'll sell some ad space because of it as they try to rip each other. I think even when Comcast Sportsnet started, it was, yeah. it was a similar issue. Remember how bad it was when it started? Yeah. There'd be, like, uh, no audio for, like, a quarter of a Bulls game. In a Bulls playoff game. Right, yeah. It was, it, it was yeah. bad. It yeah. was just, like, a real, like, shit show. It was pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. They, they figured it out at least a little bit. Um, the other the other real quick thing was the news that the Ricketts bought 5%, remaining 5% that Tribune Company owned. Does that mean anything? Do we know what that means? No, I believe... Uh, the leveraged partnership was set up over a 10 year window. So that was so always that 2019. Part of the plan. That's my assumption. I don't, uh, know all the details, but when right, I saw that, I, when I saw that, I wasn't I, I totally just, thrown for a loop because 2019 was kind of this 10 year thing where it's supposed to unwind and Tribune right. would walk away. It was away. a total just tax avoidance thing for, for, uh, when they bought the team originally, yeah. Well, right, yeah. They, 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 for Sam Zell. For, for Sam Zell, he needed yeah, to keep yeah. that 5%. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so there's been a lot on The Athletic this week. Let's wrap up with this about potential rules changes. Uh, Major League Baseball sent a letter to the Players Association a few months ago with some ideas. The Players Association has responded. Ken Rosenthal had a piece on this. Jason Stark had another piece. And they're talking about things that could affect 2019, though that seems a little lofty to expect that, but... We're talking about adding DH to the NL, um, a three-batter rule for relief pitching. What did you guys think about some of this stuff? Uh, the pitching, the, the three-batter rule for a pitcher doesn't make any sense. There's no way that's going to pass. There's a 0% chance. I don't think that's one thing that will pass for 2019. I don't I, think it will ever pass. How can you t- say, like, if a guy's terrible, how can you be like, no, you got to pitch two more guys? I don't, I don't know. Like, and there's got to be, like, Injury exceptions. Yeah, right. right? It's just a, it's and then they'll start faking injuries. Right. Oh my arm. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, oh, my arm's sore. Like it is every time I throw a pitch. <laughs> and it wouldn't be right. You wouldn't be alive. Right. That one I just tuned out immediately is nonsense. Universal DH. We all know it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Labor's got to. That's like that's one thing they'll give the union. You know what I mean? When they do their next CBA and when they take something else. Yeah. Take away like healthcare, the dental plan. <laughs> yeah, no more dental, like Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so Rosenthal mentioned he wasn't saying that it will be a rule in 2019, but that it could be like that. That the players' union obviously is on board with DH being added to the National League Universal DH as soon as this year. That seems 
crazy because we're a couple of weeks away from spring training and there are a lot of NL teams that probably don't even like wouldn't even know who's your DH going to be. Like, it seems unfair to do Cubs it at the end know. of well, Cubs. <laughs> not every team has David Bodie. Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah. But a lot of teams would be like, well, "This is information we could have used at the beginning of the off season, right?" But you, they'll still love it because then all these guys that don't have jobs right now become even more valuable. What about that last pitcher? He loses a job though. That's a good point, and the fact that unless they go to lot- the 26 man. Active roster, which has been another idea floated. What's that do? Who do the Cubs have to cut if they have to add someone new? They have to cut another player? They have to sell Drew Smiley again? No, Chatwood. Oh, yeah. Just to, they have to pay him. Well, pay him. But, you know, Tom Ricks doesn't have money for this 26-man, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess you're right. What are you going to do? He's going to have to, like, give him a job in the front office just to <laughs> make, make sure he's getting his money's worth. Would you have the option just running a 25-man roster and saying we have more than enough to win with? <laughs> That's the Tom Thibodeau <laughs> approach to uh, managing. Some of the rules were interesting. So universal DH, like, that's going to happen, whether it's this year or right. next year when the new CBA. Though Some of the stuff Stark was talking about was crazy. Like, they're potentially going to lower the mound. Again, this is not for 2019. They're going to study this. But Why lowering... can't they just commission a study without a, a resolution? Well, they like... might for some like lowering the mound, moving the mound back potentially are things that they're going to study this year and could be changes made in the future. And the, apparently, the players' association is at least okay looking into it. I think it's good they're talking. I mean, this off season has just been such a drag for fans, the media, for teams, for players, and I mean. I love my job. The Cubs are a fascinating team to cover, but I think we all know that baseball is just way too boring. They need to do something, I think, to make it more entertaining if you want to keep filling Wrigley Field 81 times a year with 40,000 people. And if you want to launch new TV networks at a time when the entire media landscape is splintering, I don't think the product is all that compelling on a night-after-night basis to just watch strikeout after strikeout after strikeout i think they got to do something and they have to talk because otherwise i think we all expect you know some sort of work stoppage after the 2021 right. season you know I don't, I don't know if i agree that it's not exciting not when you listen to white Sox radio i mean if you listen to farmer <laughs> oh my god <laughs> game yeah, seven farmer makes wor- everything exciting yeah, game seven of the world series would sound boring with ed farmer doing the play-by-play uh, they you know what one thing i would really love to see i know this has been already thrown out there is realignment uh, or if, if not realignment, then get rid of the unbalanced schedule. I can't stand seeing the same teams 19 times a year. I love the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry, but I don't want them to play 19 times. I'm so sick of the Pirates and the Reds. James, I'm sure you're sick of the Twins and Tigers. The whole, I'm sure James would blow up the whole AL Central if he could. I would probably have the opposite take. I kind of <laughs> like the interdivisional war really? and having the But 19 a... times, though? You don't get sick of seeing the same guys over and over again? Well, I cover a, a division with like three rebuilding teams so i'm seeing constant minor league <laughs> churn so yeah, I guess <laughs> right I, imagine the imagine the people have been like merkin's been covering the al central for like 15 6 17 8 years how many times he's been to kansas city detroit cleveland why Minnesota. can't they do it why can't they Oof. do which are you know some of those are okay cities you just don't want to keep going but right why can't they do it like the nba where you play everybody and like okay you don't play you could play just a few games like one series home and away against the american league teams right but at least give your fans and i don't know that this is going to bring millennials or anything like that but for someone like me for you guys who've been watching baseball wouldn't it be cool to see every team come to your town at least once i think it would improve offense too because people with the pitchers wouldn't have the same kind of maybe you know wherewithal to know who everyone is yeah like like mike trout should come to chicago well, he does against the White Sox, but he should be going just no those games, though. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, it swings both ways. You hear guys saying, like, oh, we've never seen him before. He has a funky delivery, and so we didn't get a, a read on right. him for the first six innings. And, you know, if they saw him four or five times a year, they, they'd hit him more. So, I, I don't know. I think it, it probably balances out. Yeah. Either way, you're right, Mooney. It is good that they're talking because they do need fixes. I love baseball. Some of the fixes they've talked about in the past are, come on, guys, this is not the problem. I mean, like, get some some of the things that Manfred has suggested. It's like you're addressing, you're cutting 10 minutes off of game times. That's not the difference that needs to be made. There needs to be more action. There needs to be more no. offense. It, it, you're never going to get these games shorter unless you cut three innings off of the game. I do think he's done a good job of, at least he's recognizing there's a problem. I will give Manfred that. I, I would say I, He's not going to get universal support for every idea thrown out there, but at least he's not, uh, you know, ignoring the issue or pretending that they've 
they have it all figured out. Why is why is nobody mentioning robot umpires? I mean, that's dream. That's, that's when I'm going to be really kind excited. Of the pitch data guys would say they don't really have the technology to be more reliable than they currently are. Why doesn't Why doesn't Elon Musk stop with his stupid, uh, uh, you know, tram that he's building to the airport? Come up with the technology to call balls and strikes using a computer. You know, if he dedicated himself to it for like an hour, he could come up with it. it no, it wouldn't work. Well, it might, it, but it would at least it'd be fun to think about. It'd be like, all right, I did it. How much did these umpires cost? It'd be like $780 million an umpire. <laughs> right. Then we'd miss like, you know, Madden getting an umpire's faces and like all of those confrontations and it was only people complaining about the umpire, you know, players going off on umpires. Oh, so you think we, we like, would we would miss something. Oh, I would miss it. I like, yeah. I like Jesse Rogers goes out to drink with these guys. <laughs> Who would Jesse go out to drink with on the road? You have to hang out with Mooney. You have to hang out with him. Oh, so for Mooney's sake, let's hope yeah. this never happens. All right. Anyway, we'll probably. I mean, spring training starts in a couple of weeks, and and I'm sure you're going to Arizona. Sahada will probably Something. go to Arizona. James going to Arizona. James, you'll be in Arizona. So we'll, but we'll yeah, do the White Sox do it too. It's, they do they still do spring training? Yeah. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. They, they run drills and everything. And everything. <laughs> where, the, where are they on uh, now radio-wise? They're on GN now, aren't they? Yes. Someone just – oh, the, it was the Fighting Illini who went to – But you're – I guess – are you even allowed to listen to that on WLS? Uh, yeah, as long as it doesn't get in, uh, interrupted by uh, – what's his name? Ben uh, – Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro show. show. Like, right. We're going to be hearing promos for Rush Limbaugh and Ben Shapiro. Yeah, exactly. Just like they were for during, like, Bulls games. Right. Like, Connor McKnight would segue to, like, Rush Limbaugh like, being <laughs> – Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. That anyway, was a segue you gave at least. Uh, yeah, that is a perfect segue. <laughs> no, but we'll do more of these as we get closer to the spring training and obviously the season. And maybe if something actually might just happens. be me, might just be me and you here in the basement of uh, Transistor. That's fine, and we can get Lauren to come by too for right. a few of these. We'll um, have these guys call in. My wife's a couple of blocks away. If you just wanted to give, like, does she? Sure. I feel like she has to know something about Sox prospects. Yeah, living in the same house as you. Which ones are nice to me? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> check out uh, theathletic.com. Mooney has a good. Uh, you had the like, five questions, including wondering if Joe Madden has watched the Fire Festival documentaries. Hundred uh, percent. I only have seen the Netflix one, so I gotta. I gotta like. That's the one I watched. I didn't watch. He's a Hulu guy too, I think. Well, he, I know he's a Hulu Probably, guy because yeah. he, he was big in Handmaid's Tale. He right? was big in the Handmaid's Tale, and he also really liked the um, the eleven twenty two sixty three book oh, by right. Stephen King, and they did a series on that on Hulu. You get him going about stuff, man. He was going about the Jack Ryan, whatever Jack Ryan. That's was on, on Amazon. That was right. good too. He's like he's like he was like mimicking the gunshots and stuff. <laughs> he's always got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> That Joe Madden, he All has right. he's made multiple Tom Clancy references, right. but before that show even came out, he's on like, Amazon. He's like literally the demographic of Tom Clancy books. I love Guy Tom with... Clancy books. I'm real. I'm rereading them all right now. Are you really? As a matter of fact, yeah. That's all. That's in your busy schedule right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now, I'm on Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> then I'll go and watch a movie. It's perfect. There's a movie for all of them. All right, Patrick Moody, James Fegan, John Greenberg. I'm Ben Finford. Check out theathletic.com. This Cubs podcast isn't linear. Goodbye.